You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The New You. Enjoy. Let your heart, the eyes of your heart, take, you all, take in everything he has for you this morning. We're leaving here stronger than when we came in. He's a living, personal presence, and he's in our midst this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in our midst. We lean back onto, into you. We lean back on you, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge that we need you more than the air that we breathe. We need you, Holy Spirit, and we're so glad that you've given yourself to us. That we don't have to cry out or beg. Because you've freely given yourself to us through the sacrifice of Christ. We receive all that you have for us, Holy Spirit. You're so good. Thank you for ministering life and healing to us this morning. Right here, right now. Thank you that we're leaving stronger today than when we came in. Thank you for flooding the eyes of our heart with the light of Jesus Christ that we would become more sure, more certain of who you are of the calling you have upon our lives, that we become more sure, that we would uh, know and understand the riches of our inheritance in you, that we would know and understand and experience more the resurrection power of Christ in us. Thank you for this time together. We lean on you, Holy Spirit, and we give you glory. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think back to Easter time growing up. And, and uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I've told you about it. We were kind of forced to go to church on Sundays. But it wasn't a place that you wanted to go to. It wasn't a joyful place. It wasn't a, a place that inspired you. It was a place that kind of intimidated you and made you feel less every time you went. You kind of left weaker than when you came in. And they kind of gave you the impression that um, God wasn't pleased with you. In fact, he was kind of ticked off at you. And you better watch your step. But the one good side to what I remember at Easter, my grandmother uh, had, a, had her own little candy business and she would make homemade chocolate candy. And we lived with my grandma for a while, my grandparents, and in her basement was like Willy Wonka's factory. <laughs> she had this uh, chocolate melter, this candy melter that was probably about four feet high, and still remember that thing, all made of wood with a metal heating bowl inside, and she would buy these uh, big boxes of slabs, I think they were five-pound slabs of chocolate. They're like four in a box, like 20 pounds. And she'd take these big slabs of milk chocolate and break them up and put them in this melter and melt them. And we knew when Easter was coming that she would say, what do you want for Easter? And she would make custom chocolates for us. So we'd say, Grandma, my Easter egg, I want almonds and coconut and, and uh, jalapeno peppers. and No. But she'd make whatever we asked for, and those Easter eggs were probably about that big, homemade chocolate with whatever you wanted in them. And then she had all these molds 
for bunnies and crosses and, and different things. And, man, we, we had a, our Easter basket was lit, I'm telling you. It was just full of homemade treats. So that's really what Easter was to me, <laughs> just chocolate, you know. And uh, I don't know about you, but I need something more than chocolate, right? And I, I need something that's going to last more than a few moments, I need something that, that, that doesn't melt in my hands and doesn't melt in my mouth but stays strong 24 hours a day and seven days a week. So I didn't really know what Easter is about. I saw the stained glass windows and I saw the pictures. But, you know, we went to church and we didn't learn what the resurrection really meant. And that's what religion will do. It will memorialize these events of Jesus, but it will never lead you into experiencing the reality of it. We want you to experience the reality of his resurrection today. And it's not going to melt and go away. It will become stronger in you if you keep your attention on him. He's so good. I need something more than a special day. Jesus really didn't come so we could have a special day. He came so that, so that every day we could experience him all throughout the year for every day and every year of our lives. And that's what we're going to do. Let's start with John chapter 10 on Easter morning. John chapter 10. I don't know if you've ever heard this verse. It's verse 10. You hear it regularly here at Highway Church. I pray that you not only hear it, but experience it like never before in your life. Hallelujah. God wants you to experience him today, his healing power today. He's not a rock. He's not a statue. He's not a window. He's not a religious accessory. He's a living personal presence. He's the one who has provided healing for you. He wants to be your personal physician, whatever the issue may be. Whether it would be bo your bones or whether it would be blood, whether it be your nerves, whether it be your mind, Jesus heals mental conditions. Man is trying to figure out what to do with mental conditions. They really don't have answers, but Jesus does. He'll set you free. I think there's some mental circumstances, some mental conditions here that are going to change this morning. See, man doesn't know what to do with these kind of things. They, come, they try and change the chemicals or somehow balance the chemicals in your brain. But the problem is the chemicals they give you might, might have effect in one area, but then they alter something else. Now you've got to take something to try and counter that side effect. And then you've got to take something to try and counter that side effect. And I remember a physician telling me years ago that the patients I see are on multiple prescriptions because they started taking this one, then they took this one to counter the effects of that one, and they're taking this one to counter the effects of that one, and this, and then it goes on and on, and they're on multiple medications, maybe five, seven, nine, ten medications. And how can you keep track of something like that? Really? How can you, wait, do I take the blue one at 8 o'clock or the purple one? Or, the, or is it the yellow one? Oh, they're all white. Uh-oh. You need a chart, right? You need a spreadsheet and a database just to try and function. Time to say bye-bye to the spreadsheet and database and let the life of Christ flow through your brain and your mind. It's time for a healthy mind, a sound 
mind. God has given us a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Do you know what the word sound means? Free from defect, decay, or damage. God has given us a sound mind, a mind that's free from defect, decay, or damage. Say that. My mind is free from decay, defect, or damage. I have a sound mind. Something will happen in your life when you refuse to tolerate anything other than what God has provided for you. Tell your mind how sound it is. Satan is trying to limit your effectiveness on the earth. And one of the ways he does that is by by, uh, lengthening the amount of time it takes for someone to consider themselves an adult. See, an early American in history at 12 years old, someone was an adult. That was their passage from childhood into adulthood. Today... 35, 40, who knows if it ever comes. That's what Satan wants, right? He doesn't want you to become an adult and strong and able to do things you were called to do. So he'll he'll lengthen the time it takes to become an adult and then he'll shorten the amount of time as an adult by saying, you know, okay, you're adult at about maybe 40, 45, then you've got to retire at 55, give you like a 10-year window of some kind of effectiveness. But yet we we see in the Scriptures, Moses at 80 stepped into his calling. Vibrant and strong. We see Joshua and Caleb taking their mountain, right? Caleb at 85 years old. We see strong, vibrant people that, that absolutely blow the world's concept of life away. Forget this idea of retiring. Listen, there are different seasons, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there may come a season where you shift what you focus on. Or you enter into a new depth of what you're focusing in. Or a broader dimension. Or a broader platform of what's inside of you. But this idea that I stop being effective at a certain age, 55, 60, 65, and and play shuffleboard for the rest of my life. The Satan loves that. And then what comes with that? Well, you can expect Alzheimer's, right? A deterioration of your mind. What is Satan doing? He's trying to minimize your effectiveness. Let's just get into this like little 10-year, 15-year window out of 120 so that I can do more damage in the earth. Instead of you being strong, a young person at 10 taking out giants, right? A strong man or woman at 80 taking mountains. This is God's plan for you. But you won't get there thinking the way the world thinks. The world's got you done. I still haven't gotten my discount. Yeah, I turned 50. I don't mind that. They want to give me some discounts on my burgers. I don't mind that. But I'm getting stronger. I've never been as strong as I am today. 
In 10 years, I'll tell you the same thing. I've never been as strong as I am at 60. In another 20 years, I'll tell you the same thing. We're getting stronger. Man doesn't know this is possible. What are we talking about this for on Easter morning? This is the resurrection life of Christ in you. What would happen if you changed your expectation that your mind is getting sharper and more alert? That you're using more of your brain than you've ever used before? That your bones are getting uh, more flexible and moist? You know, and uh, I think it's Deuteronomy 34 when it talks about Moses who, who uh, went to heaven at age 120. It says his eyes were not dim. 2020 vision. And interesting in the Hebrew, I think the King James says, and his strength uh, not abated. The Hebrew can literally be rendered, his moisture not fled. Very powerful. The moisture of his body and skin had not fled. He was fully hydrated, fully moisturized. If your body's fully hydrated, it stays healthy. It stays flexible. Yeah. He was fully moisturized at 120. Look in the mirror and speak to your body. Skin, you're fully moisturized. Fully moisturized. You're fully hydrated by the power of Jesus Christ. See, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 10. 10. The thief. See, an idea that you're going to deteriorate is a thief. A-A-R-P. Might be a thief. What ideas do they promote? I like shuffleboard. It's fun. But I'll wait to heaven for I play. To, I'll play every now and then. There's too much to get done down here. There's too many healings to take place. Too many lives to be transformed. (laughs) The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. For a 10 year period of their life. From like 45 to 55. You won't find that anywhere in the scriptures. This concept of human life that the world presents to you is wrong. It's so pathetic. God has a life of strength and wholeness and divine purpose for you all your days. So you too at 120 can say, my eyes are not dim and my moisture has not fled. My strength is not abated. My natural force is vibrant. Look at the Passion Translation of John 10.10. I have come to give you everything. Don't you love Jesus? He knocks me out with his language. I've come to give you everything in abundance. As if everything wasn't enough. It's not enough for Jesus. He doesn't want you just to have everything. He wants you to have everything in abundance. Everything in abundance. More than you expect. 
This is so different from what I heard growing up. I mean, to expect from God was really out there. Like, who am I to ever expect anything from God? I would just be happy if he said hi to me. This is a whole different picture. The resurrected Christ wants you to have everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until it overflows. Boy, there's a stirring inside of me for you this morning to absolutely see you kick down every wall that's hindering you. To break through every barrier. To to live the new life. To be the new you that God made you to be. The new you. Not the separated from God, I'm not sure if he loves me you. But the united with God, I'm experiencing his love daily you. Have you ever felt like, I don't know if I, 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 don't know if I qualify for, for such, such a life. I don't know. If, I, I mean, come on. I know what I've done. I know how the mistakes I've made. And I want you to know this. On Easter Sunday, none of us qualify for what Jesus did. None of us. And none of us in our own strength, through our own deeds, could ever qualify what Christ did for us. He did it not because of our qualifications, but because He loves us. And listen, if you feel like you don't qualify, I want you to know that's Jesus' specialty, to qualify the unqualified, to fix the broken, to heal the sick. That's what He does. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Now it's interesting, I'm thinking back to Easter morning and going to get my basket full of homemade chocolate. And man, I, that was just such a highlight of my year. <laughs> but what I didn't look forward to is all the fighting and stuff that went on in my family and in my home. So I'd kind of go hide with my Easter basket and try and not listen to it or whatever, you know. And It's interesting that all of us, even as a child, we all have a conscience. We're going to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to talk about a conscience first. And even as a child, I remember there are things I did wrong and I'd feel bad about them. And I don't even remember anyone necessarily telling me I did something wrong. Like eating my whole basket of chocolate in one sitting. I don't think I ever did that, but hey, I certainly tried. But I just knew somehow there's something wrong with this, right? And I would get a kick out of it. I love being a, a father, and uh, I love every season of your child's life. And I love those little years when they would do something that they shouldn't have done and then look at you. <laughs> oh, they would just be kind of like a... Like that. Actually, the kids can remember, our dog did that, right? Our dog would look like that. Our dog had somewhat of a conscience, I think. Did you eat that pizza? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But even more so, we have this conscience inside. What's that all about anyway? Wouldn't, Wouldn't life be better without it? No. 
Now, that, what are we going to do with this? See, we've, we've been made in the image of God, and we have this sensitivity inside that alerts us when something isn't right. And it was given to us to experience Him and to keep us from danger and to lead us into this abundant life. But you can handle your conscience differently, right? And in the Bible, the Bible talks about sin. And sin is a fascinating word. If you look at it in the Greek, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it, it's something like hamartia. It literally means to miss the mark. As if you were in an athletic competition, you miss the mark, you don't win the trophy, right? To miss the mark. And missing the mark, it means, what, what is the mark, first of all, that the Bible speaks of? What mark did we miss? God's way of living right? God's way of thinking. God's way of talking. God's way of loving. That's the mark that all of us missed, and our conscience knows that, right? Well, the Bible teaches that this missing of the mark, that to not live life God's way, actually leads to death. It opens the door for destruction. So what does that have to do with Easter? I want you to know that God has solved the sin problem. I didn't know that. I thought sin was a huge problem growing up. And I had no answer for it. Mankind doesn't really know what to do with the conscience. Mankind really doesn't know what to do with sin. And guess what? Religion doesn't either. <laughs> so what man will try and do or religion will try and do is, is okay, there's a couple different responses you can have to it. You can take the response, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try not to sin. And I'm going to create these elaborate systems of atonement and penance and punishment to try and keep myself from sinning. But it doesn't work. I went through an elaborate system of penance growing up. It didn't work. It didn't change me one bit. Not one bit. It didn't give me any power over sin. It reminded me of how sinful I was. Or you can kind of take the other approach and just say, well, it's not sin. You can pretend sin's not sin. And you can get a bunch of people around you to agree with you, right? You can even get legislators to pass laws saying sin isn't sin, right? But the thing about, the thing about it is, is God existed before man. And if he says something's sin, it's always sin. And we can legislate it away, but it never goes away. It still leads to death. Don't base what you believe on legislation. Just because this country or this state says it's legal doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it'll produce life. Doesn't mean it'll make you strong. Doesn't mean it's God's way of doing things. So what do we do with this sin? Neither one of those responses will help you. You can try harder and try not to do it and get involved in some religious system or you can just pretend it's not real and, and surround yourself with people, people that tell you it's not sin. But that doesn't solve the problem. Amen. We have amazing news on Easter morning. Sin doesn't have to wreck your life anymore. Sin doesn't have to confuse you anymore. God has provided a perfect solution for sin. 
Now, going to Hebrews 10, we're going to get into this. I'm going to give you some background so you can appreciate and experience more Jesus. About 1400 B.C., man had gotten to the point where he basically said, God, I've got this. You know, you're, you're God and that's fine, but I, I can do this thing. Man's heart had become so hardened and so stubborn that the only thing God could do to save mankind was to give them the law. And he gave them the Ten Commandments. And the only purpose that God gave, the the only purpose in giving the law was to open their eyes that they would realize you can't do this. You can't try harder and stop sinning. You can't ignore it. It doesn't go away. You need a Savior to save you from it. Not only to forgive you for the sins you've committed, but to empower you to never sin again. Being forgiven is glorious. Having power over sin, I think, is even better. Because I can be forgiven, but if I keep doing it, what's the point? When I'm forgiven and empowered to be free from it for the rest of my life, now I can get some things done. Now I can enjoy each day. Not only has Jesus provided forgiveness for your sin, but he broke the power of it over you. So you'll never have to be plagued by it again. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. Now, this is talking about the law, going back to the Mosaic law. They were given the the Ten Commandments. They were given a system of worship that God had to institute. It was the only way they could survive because of the hardness of their heart. Okay? And in this system, they had to bring animals to the priests, living animals, and those living animals had blood inside of them. They were sacrificed. Their blood was shed. Why was blood shed? Because the life is in the blood, right? The life of a being is in its blood. And sin leads to death. Sin can only be atoned for by the shedding of blood. You won't hear that on the news, right? But it's the truth about sin. Man, I don't want to be fake. I really don't. I want to know what's true. I, I, I loathe fake stuff. It breaks. It doesn't work. It's not valuable. I want the real deal. I want the genuine, authentic truth about life. The truth is sin leads to death, and it can only be atoned for by the shedding of blood. That's very powerful to understand that. But God doesn't want it to be your blood. He loves you too much. Because if your blood's shed, you die. So what happened? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. Now, I didn't go through the Levitical uh, system of worship, but the system I went through was heavy. I mean, we regularly, year after year, had to keep doing the same things over and over again. Hopefully, that would somehow atone for our sins. And it never worked, not once. 
We never got free from it. It didn't remove our consciousness of sin. It strengthened our consciousness of sin, which made the whole problem worse. So in those sacrifices, verse 3, in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Every time you go to confession, every time you pray with your religious artifacts or your religious accessories, every time you look at a statue, there's a reminder of sin. Not good. Verse 4, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats or religious accessories or statues or candles or confessional booths could take away sins. They can't do it. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to invest in something, I want to know what the results are going to be, right? I'm not going to invest into a religious system that produces no results. No thanks. Therefore, when he, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Who was that that said that? Jesus, right? Jesus came into the world. He said, sacrifice and offering. He's talking to his father. You don't desire it. Boy, is that different than what religion teaches. Religion says you've got to do sacrifices, sacrifices, <laughs> sacrifices, and more sacrifices. But God doesn't desire that. He's not into that. You don't desire it, but a body you have prepared for me. Jesus is talking about being made flesh, right? In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. God didn't want to set up that system. He had to because of the hardness of their heart. Verse 7, then I said, behold, I've come. In the volume of the book it is written me, this is Jesus talking, to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor have pleasure in them. Wow. Which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I've come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. That's a very interesting verse. Jesus is saying to the Father, I've come to do your will. What is the will of God? To take away the old covenant and to bring in a new covenant. He never wanted that system. It didn't work. It just covered over their sin. It was just to get them to Christ. It was just to get them into relationship with the Son. And as soon as he came, the will of God was to remove that old covenant and establish the new one. Verse 10, by that will we have, in other words, what's that will? The new covenant. By that new covenant, by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, that's the new covenant, right? We've been sanctified. It's already done. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So this new covenant is so powerful, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, you are made clean and kept clean for the rest of your life. And the power of sin is absolutely broken over your life. Now you may not know that. You may have to grow in the knowledge of that. We all do. But it's the truth. And when you start realizing, wait a minute, this has no power over it. I kind of think of, anybody see Captain Marvel? 
Anybody see? How many people went to see Captain Marvel? Anybody? Judah wanted to see it. I went to see it with her. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> it's a superhero movie. And uh, Captain Marvel is, uh, is this superhero who underwent this explosion. And there was this power source. This, is, this power source exploded. And during this explosion, her body w- uh, received the power from this power source. And she became a different kind of being. And, but, but she didn't know it. And she was taken by this uh, species of being, this alien uh, uh, race of people, and they brought her to her planet, and they told her who she was, but they didn't tell her the whole truth. And she had this power inside of her, but they put a, a, like a governor on her neck so she could use some of her power, but not all of it. And she didn't even know it. And, she, and this is what I'm thinking about as I'm going through the movie. I'm thinking what Satan tries to do to us is to limit our power. See, religion is this limiter, this governor on you that tries to limit the power that God has put in you. But it, it, So she went through all this stuff, and she, as she was meeting different people and talking with different people, she's like, wait a minute. The people that I trusted, I really shouldn't have trusted. And the things they told me weren't really true. And that's how I felt when I began reading the book of John in the New Testament. I thought, why didn't someone tell me? I went to church all those week after week, year after year. Why didn't someone tell me what Jesus did for me? I've been putting my trust in the wrong places, and I began trusting Jesus. And when she took her trust from the people who were deceiving her, and she discovered who she was, and that limiter came off, and a power like she'd never known began go flowing through her body, she could do things that she could never do before because she put her trust in the right place. And that's what happens when we put our faith in Christ. You may not realize the power that's inside of you because your trust maybe has been in the wrong place. But it's time to put your trust in the one who made you and let him teach you how powerful you are. Let him unlock the resurrection power of his son that's inside of you so sin won't be a problem for you anymore. Sin will not be your master. You're not under the law. You're under grace. You've been made new. You're a new creation. Hallelujah. It was a good movie, by the way. (laughs) Hallelujah. By that will, we've been sanctified through the body of Jesus once for all. And every priest, this is talking about the Levitical covenant, the Levitical priesthood, uh, every priest stands ministering daily, verse 11, ministering daily, like, Matt, can you imagine that, what that must have been like? Daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices? What a morbid, morbid job, huh? Woof. That's what it did. It, it just reminded them of death and of the penalty of sin. Repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. To go through all of that and know that it's still not working. That's tough. But this man, verse 12, I love that. Who's this man? Jesus, Jesus right? He, came, he calls himself in the scripture, see, the son of man, over and over again. He came as a man. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down. Man, I love that. So here's the priest on the Old Covenant, day after day, sweating and laboring, doing the same things over and over again, getting nowhere. Here comes Jesus, does what his father told him to do. It's finished, and he sits down. 
We talk a lot about the finished work at Highway Church. Most believers don't know what that means. Jesus finished your atonement. He finished your forgiveness. He finished what the law required. It's done, and you can now enjoy the benefits of it. He sat down at the right hand of God, verse 14, for by one offering, who is that one offering? He was the Lamb of God, right? For by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You have been perfected forever. Wow. That is very freeing. I'm not trying to obtain it. I'm not working to get a new level of perfection. He has perfected me forever. Now we're being sanctified with the Word of God. In other words, we're learning more and more who we really are by studying His Word and hearing messages like you're hearing today. And, and, and we're growing stronger in this reality, but we have a righteous standing with God that no one can take away. Verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. That's verse 16. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Wouldn't you be surprised to know as you're going to God to confess your sins, he doesn't even know about them? He's like, what are you talking about? You did what? Oh, I, I didn't know. What, you we did what? Oh, okay, I didn't know that. He can't see them. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. See, religion has this so screwy. They have trained you to be constant, to, to look for sin. And as soon as you identify it, to zero in on it and repent for it for the rest of your life. And you never get free from it. Sin has nothing to do with you anymore. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Boy, I'm just getting. Can I tell you what I do? I mean, I've come a long way, and I didn't always understand this. I, I was a young man. I just, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. You know, and just, boy, I just was so scared. I didn't, you know, what? God, I'm sorry. God, I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have done that. I, oh, God. And then I started learning this stuff at age 19 and on. And, and I thought, wait a minute. I'm clean. I've been completely forgiven, and not only forgiven, but God has given me a new nature. He's given me a new spirit. His nature's become mine. Sin has no power over me anymore. And the sins that had bound me fell off of me. Like a, a brittle old 
suit of paper. <laughs> Just See, the world and religion have no answer for sin. But Jesus is the answer. He's freed you from it. So you know what I do now, now that I understand these things? If I'm going through my day, now, boy, you got to watch. It's just hilarious, the emails that you get. I got this email, and it was in my junk mail, but I, I go through and clean out my folders every day. Well, not every day, but about five days a week. And I got this one email, and, and uh, if you haven't gotten a hacker email yet, you probably will. But they're getting very bold, these hacker emails. So this, whoever it was, sent me an email saying, I have video of you, video of you doing some, it was some kind of gross sin, which I knew I didn't do. Said, we've got video of you doing this through, your, through the uh, camera of your laptop. And we know that you've been to these websites. And I knew I hadn't gone to, I didn't know what they're talking about. So I thought, isn't this interesting? But it was about pornography is what it was about. Because it's a huge market. So they probably figure they can send us out to, a, you know, 100,000 people and hit a few that have done these things, you know. But they picked the wrong one. I'm clean, baby. I'm clean. You can look through my laptop. You can check me out, man. It's good to be clean because of Jesus. So I read this, and it was detailed. And they told me what they were going to do, and they said, you've got to send us $2,000 by such and such a date. And they gave me a Bitcoin address. Or we're going to release these videos to your friends online. I thought, this is really funny. See, see, the devil can't mess with you when you know who you are in Christ. Now, if they would have sent me that when I was 15, and before I knew Christ, they would probably had some stuff on me, right? But they don't have anything on me now. See? See, victory over sin is in your private life. When no one else is around. And it comes and tempts you and you just laugh and keep on going. This is what I do now. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. So I'm boasting in the Lord. I want you to know that. I can take no credit for the righteousness I enjoy. It's by him, from him, for him, and through him. I want you to know that. So there are no biggies in my life. Okay? <laughs> there's, there's none of that. But now there are times when I may say something to someone I wish I wouldn't have said or forget to do something I should have done. But even in those things, if, if that happens, I don't even take the time to say, oh, God, forgive me. I just keep on moving. I keep my eyes on Jesus. I walk in the light as he is in the light. The blood of Christ is working in me, cleansing me, keeping me clean. I don't even need to take time to acknowledge the wasted time of that mistake, I keep on moving forward. Are you getting this? I want to encourage you to come to this place of righteousness. You realize it has nothing to do with you. You've made a mistake, that's okay, but keep going forward. If you stop and pay homage to that mistake, it's going to dig its claws into you. And that's what religion does. It wants you to stop and build statues of your mistakes. So they can dig their claws into you and keep you from going forward. But the statue's been broken. Jesus has risen. We're new creations in him. All right, let's wind this thing up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So therefore, brother, let's go to verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness. Are you bold when you come to God? Or are you timid? He wants you to be bold. 
Because the price has been paid for you. Boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that's his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our confidence without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. See, when you realize that you've been made clean, your vision becomes clearer and you can now see the faithfulness of God in your life. Sin consciousness, being conscious of sin, distorts our vision and it prevents us from seeing how good and how faithful God is and has been in our lives. And a great example of this, just a few more scriptures, is in Matthew chapter 27, verse 48, when Jesus is on the cross. Now remember, he became a man, and literally on the cross, Jesus was made sin. And we can see that by this one statement. And I think it's the only time in the ministry of Jesus where he referred to his Father as God instead of Father. So you see a distance now between Jesus on the cross and his heavenly father because he became sin and he said this, my God, my, he didn't say father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isn't that a cold, distant statement? So uncharacteristic of the ministry of Jesus who taught this intimacy with God as your father. Now here he is looking up as if he doesn't even know where God is. My God, my God, where are you? Why? What did that happen? Because he was made sin at that point. And listen, when you're sin conscious, this will be the attitude you have of God. You'll wonder where he is. You'll blame him for things. You'll think he's forsaken you. You'll think he hurts you or he hurts your loved ones. But none of that's true. It's just sin clouding your vision. That's all it is. And this is exactly what happened. The last thing he said in John 19.30, after he said that, and they gave him some sour wine, and he made these three words, and perhaps the most powerful words of his entire ministry, he said, it is finished. What is finished? That every day, over and over and over again, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, no changes happening, not getting close to God, not knowing God, not understanding God, being separated from God, that's over. It's finished. I've done everything the law requires. You can come boldly to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In fact, I wish you would because it's finished and a new covenant is in place. It's a covenant of peace, of joy, of no shame, of no condemnation, of victory over sin. And let's close with these scriptures. Yes, amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, explains Matthew 27, 48 to us. Excuse me, 46. says, God made him who knew no sin. Why? To be sin for you, for me. Right? So that in Christ 
we might become the righteousness of God. Final scripture, verse 17. Oh boy, there's two good ones. Can you give me two more? Then we'll finish. Come on, I got an Easter basket for you. Let's go here. Listen, this is you. If you are in Christ, how do you know if you're in Christ? You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And with your mouth, you've confessed him as your Lord. Right? You're in him if you've done that. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Last verse. Romans 6, verse 4. Got to get this in. Therefore, we've been buried with Christ through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, you too, you also might walk in newness of life. The the Passion Translation says this, we were also raised with Him, we have been co-resurrected with Him. So that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Father, I pray that everyone here, everyone hearing this in this building and on Facebook and through the podcast would begin to walk in freshness of new life in freshness of the new life you provided. Lord, that men and women and young people and children would realize the sin problem has been solved through your son, Jesus Christ, that when he rose from the dead and ascended unto you, Satan was defeated, sin was atoned for, and that through simple faith in Jesus Christ, we've become sin-free, righteous, holy, Jesus Christ, people. And Satan's under our feet. And we're your sons and daughters, clean forever. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.